Welcome to Bluegrass Stories with Katie Daly and me. I am Howard Parker. Stephen Mojan is best known as an extraordinary guitarist and member of the Sam Bush Band. Like many in our industry, Mojan wears many hats as band coach, mentor, and the 2020 IBMA Sound Engineer of the Year as owner of Dark Shadow Recording. In this interview with Katie Daly, Steve Mojan talks of his history and as a mentor discusses ways for bands to up their social media game by using low-cost or no-cost resources to improve video and audio online content. Here's Katie and Stephen Mojan. Well, good morning, Stephen. How are you? Great. How are you, Katie? I'm doing fine. I, I want to, before we start talking, I want to congratulate you on winning the 2020 IBMA Sound Engineer of the Year Award. That's quite an accomplishment. It is, uh, it's pretty shocking. I'm, I'm so thrilled. I'm, I wasn't expecting to, and uh, it's an honor to be even among those fine folks in that category. And about four years ago, you won, in 2016, you won the Momentum Award uh, Mentor Award, which the two awards together as sound engineer and mentor teacher is one reason I wanted to talk to you today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But first, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're from Massachusetts, and you uh, studied um, uh, music there as a vocal teacher uh, in music education. And uh, after you finished that, you taught music from uh, grades 7 through 12, and you revived the music department in your school. And, and tell me a little bit about that experience. Oh, you know, it was a really great time. I, um, I, I love my time as a, as a public school teacher. I was the choir director at the Ralph C. Mahar Regional School in Orange, Mass. And when I was hired, uh, there were nine kids in the high school chorus, and the the as I was leaving, there was a hundred people signed up for the following semester. So um, that that was a good accomplishment in three years, and uh, I did some, I produced and directed some musicals there as well, and got that back on its feet uh, after a bunch of years of of them not doing those. So it was cool. It was a really great experience coming right out of college, and uh, diving headfirst into that. Um, uh, but then I had the the opportunity to come to Nashville and play music professionally, which is something that didn't occur to me as a possibility um, really? for that moment. And I, and I was, you know, 25 and single, and I thought, why not? <laughs> and who was your first band that you were with? I played with, I toured with Valerie Smith, uh, and that's where I'm, uh, actually, Becky Buller uh, helped to get me that gig. I'd known Becky uh, just a little bit before then. And then, um, you know, through that, that time spent a lot of time with Becky, and of course now we've done a bunch of projects together, and uh, and have a new one heading out the door right now. So um, you know, it was a good, it's a good connection for sure. A long, long time uh, uh, musical collaborator, and and so on and so forth. But uh, then ventured off and played with a bunch of other bands, and finally settled in with the Sam Bush Band in two thousand and six. Wow, you've been with Sam a long time. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful job. I, I love getting to play music with him, and it's inspiring on so many levels. The musicality is, is wonderful, but, uh, you know, uh, all the folks in the band are um, long-term commitments. It's a, it's a really uh, 
it's a really good place to be and to stay. And uh, for me, I get musical ADD every now and again. And and I uh, with that band, it's uh, it's an easy fix because you know if you're kind of bored with the genre of the song you're playing, just give it a song. <laughs> we'll be doing something different real soon. Um, and uh, you know, my first love is bluegrass, uh, and and I've always been bluegrass enthusiast and uh, it's just fun to get to do things that aren't bluegrass as well um, but you know when we rear back and play a country gentleman tune it's going to sound like that and I, I really dig that about the band we always are going for the core of the genre of whatever we're playing and and um, it's, a, it's a really good place to be I've really enjoyed playing in that ensemble how many days are you on the road with Sam well this year about three <laughs> No, um, you know, we usually do somewhere between 30 and 60 shows a year. Um, the last couple of years were near the 50 mark. And this year we came out of the gate with a really cool tour. And um, in February, we got home the day before um, everything closed down, actually, and had a really wonderful uh, run of dates out in Colorado. And just it was we were gangbusters, had a great calendar lined up and. And we we did some shows a couple weeks ago, or maybe I guess it's almost a month ago, uh, outdoors in Virginia, and then followed it up this past weekend. We were out with um, uh, on a on a show with, um, let's see, I guess it was last Saturday. We played a show with um, with Larry Keel out in Virginia. Another another show outdoor thing. Folks set up in pods and whatnot, and and um, you know it's, it's nice to be out there. It's certainly different. All of it is different. Everything's different about it. But uh, the band, we all got tested before we crawled on the bus, and um, it was nice to at least feel some sense of, of what it used to be. And, you know, we're plodding forward, but, you know, officially that was the last gig of the year. So now we wait to see what happens for next year. Like you're being smart and safe about this. So uh, let's hope, cross our fingers that everyone stays safe, not, you know, it's been a terrible, yeah. terrible year. You, you have a new release. It's called Ordinary Soul, and it's got classic country, some bluegrass, folk, and Americana. Um, as you said, if you don't like one song, wait until the next cut. Uh, you'll find something different on there. How That's just been released, hasn't it? Yeah. That was, um, let's see, I guess it was July 31st, I think, it came out. And it was something that um, we tracked the band tracks back in, uh, we started tracking in November, uh, with the bluegrass and the country cuts, um, acoustic country, it's twin fiddles, uh, upright bass and, um, and so on and so forth. And then the Sam band is in on some other things. And I think we cut those in January, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, it was always, it was slated for a, uh, um, I think it was supposed to be a spring release, and then, of course, things got kicked back. But uh, I'm really glad I had that this year. It really uh, it gave me a little sense of purpose um, in, a, in amongst the year where I'm not allowed to do the things that I'm trained to do. Um, so it was good to, to finally have that. And it's my first commercially released project, too. So, you know, I know how to pick them. <laughs> <clears throat> what a great year to do that. But it... It's been an odd year for all of us, and it was dr really driven home to me, and I hope to Howard, uh, my co-producer of Bluegrass Stories, uh, when we uh, attended the virtual conference at IBMA. And 
uh, of course, some things that musicians have been having to find out is you know how to do these virtual concerts and all. And we really didn't have much experience with that kind of thing until we went into these Zoom meetings and, and clicked in on things and found out not only myself, but plenty of other people were woefully inadequate uh, at these at the computer age in in this time of and these are skills that even when the pandemic is over we're going to need because those are things that aren't going to change I think uh, they're skills that people need to have and I wanted to talk with you as a mentor and as a sound engineer about. Uh, gearing up and getting getting with the program for 2021, what do we need to be uh, computer literate for uh, these kind of things? You know, Zoom meetings and yeah. what kind of equipment do we need? I, even the people who were on some of them, I noticed their lighting was bad or <clears throat> their mic was not good, um, speaking for myself. So uh, any help you could give us in that direction. The one thing, reason I'm calling you, is that I noticed that everyone who, who worked with you, Paul Schiminger, uh, Becky Buller, they looked fantastic. They looked straight into the camera. Even if they were using a script, you couldn't tell it, whereas other people using script were looking down and never up at the camera. So these are all the things I'd like for you to cover to help us out. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of components that go into this, and, and some of what you're talking about are the, the performance aspect of that. Um, and let me just start with that because, honestly, that's probably the, the, uh, one of the easier things to fix. Uh, what I like to have folks do, of course, I'm using uh, DSLR cameras, but these days there's no reason that you couldn't do this all on an iPhone, um, the technology is there. They're, they're great cameras, especially if you're talking about a Zoom presentation or something that's just a streaming thing on the internet. Uh, I'm not talking about a full band playing, but as far as somebody sitting and talking to camera, what you want to do is, is set it up and you want to look through the camera. You want to pretend you're, that you're talking to somebody who's behind the camera. And that really gets you pretty centered and, and your eyeballs looking where they need to look. Um, a little cheater thing that we did with scripts, um, I've got an iPad and it has an app called Pages. And in Pages, which is their, you know, basically their word processing program, there's a thing called uh, presenter mode and it will actually scroll for you, automatically scroll. So for me, um, when I when I hosted the Momentum Awards, that's the what I did on mine. I set up that iPad just above the lens of my camera and, uh, and I had it auto-scrolling, and I just I tried to time my speech to match the scrolling that I had set up. And, uh, you know, after, after a couple tries, it, it works pretty well. It's a pretty easy way to fix that. But, um, you know, you want to set up your rig so that you're not looking down at it. That's one of the things, trying to get things at eye level or maybe slightly higher than eye level so that you're not looking down on your rig. And that's one of the problems with laptops because you, you tend to set them on a desk and then you look straight down into them. Uh, so getting that thing lifted so that the camera is looking you in the eye or looking slightly down, that really helps a lot of things. Um, and that helps your lighting and, and other, other gizmos as well. So that's kind of the performance thing. Well, let me ask you some of the words you've used. Rig. 
Uh, I have an Android phone, so I assume that you would say it would be the same for the Android. Yeah. Is that correct? Okay. Sure thing. So I have seen pictures of people, and they've got, oh, it looks like an octopus that their phone could sit in or their laptop can sit sure. on, and then it's got a place. Is that what you're talking about with a rig or what equipment? No. It, honestly, uh, honestly, all this stuff can be done with things you have around the house. If you have a table and a stack of books, you can make this happen. All you need to do is get that thing stabilized in a way that you're looking straight into it, uh, not, not that it's b below you. So if you just literally stack up a couple of stacks of books on a table until that phone is, is sitting and resting securely, looking you straight in the eyeball, um, that's going to do everything that a fancy stand might do. You can go out and pay, um, you know, buy some sort of a tripod rig or the octopus thing that you're talking about is probably the Joby Gorilla Pod, and that's what a lot of folks have. I have one of those and I use it occasionally, but um, I'm more of a tri regular old tripod person, but that's because um, it's a convenience thing for me. But people can do this without spending any money at all. All you need to do is secure the thing in a in a place where where it's looking at you correctly. Um, so really, you know, you don't have to go out and buy stuff. Um, all of all of these things can be improved with what you already have in your house for the most part. Um, one of the things you need to keep in mind in in both sound and lighting. The farther away you are from that um, source, whether it's the sound or the light, it's, a, it's an exponential de decrease in what you're going to get. So uh, all that to say, you want to be as close to your microphone as possible. And if you're using a cell phone, well, you need to be close to that cell phone if you're going to use the onboard microphone. And they can work. It's not the ideal thing. But they certainly can work, but they can't work if they're on the other side of the room. It, it, uh, it's just going to sound real roomy. The closer you can get to the microphone, the better. <clears throat> and that's where you might invest just a, a couple of dollars on something. Um, there's different companies that make uh, little, little mics that you can plug into your phone. Um, and then you can use some sort of an extension cable to get it near where you're going to be if you want a wider uh, field of view on, on the shot that you're looking for. If you're just, you know, coming on and doing a, a quick uh, kind of selfie pose thing, arms reach, it's not bad. Um, but if you're really looking to get a wide shot, it's going to be a challenge because that, that camera is only capable of one or two looks. And in order to get the wide thing, you've got to put it a long ways away from you. And that long ways away is going to really hurt the audio quality. All right. So when I, if I decide I'm looking for a microphone uh, to use with my telephone, are you talking like a lavalier kind of thing? Or are you actually talking about a desktop mic like a broadcaster would use or yeah i mean it really can go any way and it depends on what you're looking to do the lav mics they'll they'll roll with you and i know um i've got an audio technica lav mic that i bought for about 25 dollars, and it comes with a big long cable um it's a cabled one and you'd have to you know stay within 
the cable distance of your thing, but that'll clip right on and, and it'll be a very direct sound with not a whole lot of room ambience. Um, and that, that is an option. Some people would prefer, uh, for me, that doesn't work a lot unless I'm just talking because an instrument sounds terrible through that thing. It's not, it's, it's really EQ'd for voice. And the second you've got a, a guitar or something that's big sounding, it just doesn't sound very good. Uh, one of the things that I like, I've got a, um, Rode, the company Rode, R-O-D-E, uh, makes a bunch of different gadgets and gizmos uh, from the $50 level to the, you know, $500, $600 level and uh, for all for video applications. And they have um, one of my favorite mics they make is called the Rode Video Micro. And it's about a $50 mic and it's designed for a DSLR, but you can get a different cable for it that'll plug into your phone. And that's a little, it looks like a little a little lipstick tube kind of thing, basically. And it has some sort of mount, and then you'd have to mount it, you know, get it, ne again, near your face or near whatever you're doing. But I've definitely recorded um, a person playing and singing on it, and it's perfectly fine. Um, given the choice, I would use a studio mic, but it is a good, uh, a really good thing. And that's, again, there's different brands, uh, Ceremonic and uh, Deity, um, that are pretty popular in that world. And honestly, go to YouTube and check out, you know, type in if you're looking for a microphone for your phone or for your computer or whatever, there's bunches of people that do comparisons and you can hear the difference in that. And then you can evaluate if that is worth the difference in cost uh, of whatever they're comparing. But I really, I've done a lot of research that way. Uh, and it's nice without buying things and finding they don't work. Um, but that the road, road mics are a pretty good brand. And honestly, the cheapest one they have that doesn't even have any batteries is I've got two of them on that I use for my DSLR cameras, and they're great. They really sound good. Oh, all right. So one of the other things that you do, uh, you wear so many hats, but as a mentor, you do band coaching. So I imagine uh, doing a video either for a live performance, YouTube performance, or uh, just to record it. What different kind of stuff are you talking about for bands? Well, well, honestly, um, the thing we haven't really talked about at all is lighting. And that's one thing um, that that's different depending on the application. If you're lighting for... Um, when you're talking about lighting, you need to talk about the kind of light that you have, uh, the color of the light that you have, and the quality of light that you have. And um, in some regards, a lot of people are very successful with, with uh, you know, daylight, outdoor stuff. I'm not real good at that. I get picky about the kinds of shadows and whatnot. But if if you can do something in the hour before sunset, um, they call it golden hour, or really early in the morning as the sun's coming up, you can get really nice, beautiful lighting, and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, if you're trying to create that artificially, um, you know, for something like a Zoom call interview thing, you want pretty much um, evenly, light, evenly lit. So you could put a uh, a lamp on either side of your camera coming back at your face as long as the bulbs are the same color, uh, the same color temperature. So, um, and your phone will do a good job of, of figuring out what needs to happen from there so you won't look green or purple. 
um, or, you know, some odd alien color. But it, uh, that's a, a big deal. You don't really want to mix daylight and uh, tungsten. Tungsten is what you typically have in your house. And they're different colors. Daylight's around 5,500 Kelvin and tungsten's around 3,200 Kelvin. And when you go mixing those, then weird things happen with the video. The cameras don't know what to do. Your eyeball doesn't care, but, but the camera does, whether it's a phone or a computer or a whatever. Um, and so as you need to get that bigger, as I said, the closer you are to the light source, the better the light is. And you also want a big light source. So you'll see folks using a white umbrella to shoot light through to make it a bigger source than just the little light bulb. Um, that, that is something that can be had quite cheaply. They're about 15 or $20 uh, if you've got a light that's strong enough to, to go through. But when you're trying to light up a whole band, it gets exponentially more expensive because you need a lot more light. Uh, and you need it spread out more because, again, your camera needs to be farther away with a wider field of view, which means the lights have to be farther away so they're not in the shot. Um, and so that becomes a little bit more challenging. But if you have some powerful lights, if you can come across some, um, there's great ways to diffuse the lights so that they look nicer, like suspending a shower curtain, a white shower curtain in front of the light between it and the, the performers, it will soften that a lot. It decreases the amount, but it softens that light so you don't have the harsh shadows and it looks a lot more pleasing. Um, yeah, and that's even in my home, my studio setup that I have here for my Skype and Zoom stuff, I've got a key light that's 45 degrees to my left and that has um, a light softening device on it. And then I have a fill light, which is a little bit less bright 45 degrees to my right. And so one side of my face is brighter, one is darker. That gives you a more cinematic kind of look. And then I've got a backlight that, that hits the top of my head and my shoulders so that I stand out from the background that's behind me. And of course, you and I had talked uh, before about folks that set up with a big window behind them. It's really challenging because you need a lot of light to overpower the sun. And so if you can Either use that window as one of your key lights. If you can put it directly in front of you, that's a good look for zoom kind of things. If you can put it 45 degrees uh, in front of you, that's a great look for zoom kind of things because it, it will naturally light one side of your face really well and there'll be some fall off on the other side and you'll get that same kind of three-point lighting look. Um, but as far as, as big bands, it's it's a, it's it probably easier to do that outdoors because this, this, you know, the lighting is more available, more readily available without cost. Now in preparing for these video appearances, anything we need to do besides combing our hair? <laughs> well, one of the things that you kind of need to think about is what the background's going to look like. Um, what color the background is of where you're shooting. If you're shooting indoors in a theater and it's a black curtain, you probably don't want to wear black. Um, black and white are typically not great for video. White can, can clip real easy. It, it, uh, it'll do what's called blowing out uh, where the, the camera sensor can't understand what's going on uh, because it's a, it's a bright spot. It just sees it as a bright spot. So white and black are typically things you want to avoid anyways. But, um, you know, if you are up on a, a really dark background, then wearing something a little lighter is good. Um, 
you know, you want to think about complementary colors. And if something's going to painfully clash together, it just doesn't look good anyway. So you don't really want to do that. I think it's a good policy if you're going to do a video presentation to get with the band and come up with some kind of um, color scheme, whether it's sort of earth tones or, um, you know, pick your color palette, whatever you like. It doesn't have to be matchy-matchy if you don't dress that way on, on a normal um band presentation, but it should be things that look good together. And then it also should be something that'll look good in the environment you're going to be in. Um, in pre preparation for an upcoming video shoot, I know that, that we're going to be shooting in a little store and there's going to be a bunch of white background things. So I specifically want the artist to wear something that's darker because that'll make them stand out against that uh, whitish background of several of those scenes. People don't need to wear makeup. Oh, they do. Yeah. Oh, they um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that that guys necessarily have to uh, more than um, you don't necessarily need to do the the whole TV makeup thing. Um, that's for really, really, really bright lighting. Um, and if for most of the music video kind of things that you see, it's sort of darker things. But having a, a person on hand to do things like powder you down, that's a really, really valuable thing. Um, because nobody who's, who's sweating or oiled up a little bit looks good on camera. And the camera, the lights will show that. In a, in a pretty glaring way, unfortunately. Um, so having somebody, um, we usually have a, a makeup person on set or, or Yana works on that kind of stuff uh, as well when we're doing uh, low budget things. But, um, you know, having somebody keep an eye out for shine on the guys, uh, especially because they're not thinking about it, um, that tends to be a good thing. But, you know, you don't need to do the full... Um, the full makeup kit. But, you know, unlike photos where you can do a lot of work in Photoshop and you can edit things out and whatnot, it's much harder to do in video because it you'd have to do it, you know, thousands of times to edit something out because each, um, there's 24 photos in each second of video in typical, in typical video. So it's just not practical to edit anything out. So if you don't want it in the shot, you better not be wearing it. Um, and if you have stray hairs or stray whatever, it's just not going to look good. If your shirts are wrinkly, they're going to be wrinkly in the video. Um, that's not thing. Those aren't things that are that are particularly fixable. At least not in things that cost less than a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> well, let me ask you a, a, a question about you know shine and all that. What about fellows who are follically challenged? Hat, no hat. Yeah, follically challenged. Um, you got to be careful of the way you're you're running your lights. Uh, if you're a hat wearer, you got to make sure that the hat doesn't doesn't totally decimate all of the light that's coming to your to your eyeballs because the eyeballs are are what identifies us as humans. That's the kind of the, the um, it's really important to be able to see eyeballs in videos. Um, it, it really allows people to identify with each other. And if you're all covered up and there's a huge shadow on your eyes, it just it it doesn't feel right as you watch that video. So part of that might be about getting the lights down a little lower than you'd normally place them so that they come up underneath the hat brim. 
The um, the other thing is if you're if you're shooting something like that, we talked earlier about looking slightly up into the camera. Well, if you're looking slightly up into the camera, then your head is lifted a little bit. More of that light's getting in. The brim of the hat won't won't hurt quite so much. Um, but yeah, you just have to make sure that light is hitting all the places it needs to. And people actually, you know, the pros will set up special lights that will. It's called a catch light in the eye, and it's actually designed so you see a glimmer of light in the eye, and it makes people look very alive and and very um, energetic and and so on and so forth. And that's something that we definitely uh, aim for as we we do any of those sorts of setups. But um, if you wear a hat that's really slung low over your eyeballs and you tip your head down all the time, it's gonna it's gonna be harder. Yeah, a baseball cap is a little bit more challenging. You really have to lower the lights so they're aimed more uh, directly at you and less from above, which is a little bit less common. You typically put your lights up a little bit above you so that it it mimics, um, you know, sunlight or light from a um, house um, ceiling light or whatever. Light typically comes from up um, in our world. And so um, with the cap, you have to just you have to compensate by lowering your light. So they're coming at you more directionally, more straight on to compensate for the shadows that are being created by the hat. And I'm a hat wearer. I mean, I'm I'm very um, used to this. I also my hats kind of they don't have a massive front brim and they kind of sit up on my head a little bit, too. So, yeah, are those called pork pie hats, I think? Yeah, the pork pie kind of thing or the, the fedora, uh, but stuff that doesn't have a huge uh, brim. I don't wear baseball caps on stage, although I do wear them a lot in my life. Um, anytime I'm on camera, I'm wearing either a flat cap, you know, an English driving cap kind of thing, which is also a shorter brim, or one of my stage hats, which is more fedora-like and, and a shorter brim. And then I guess you would suggest practicing. I'll be uh, full disclosure to our listening audience. We tried to set up a Zoom meeting this morning with Stephen, and he was all prepared. And and um, I'm working on a laptop that isn't mine, and I'm not used to it. And, uh, and the settings were wrong for the audio and all that stuff. So before I go to an interview, I should have all that stuff pulled together, right? Yeah, you know, one of the things, um, most of the platforms, in fact, I can't think of one that doesn't, um, have some way that you can test your audio and your video um, when you're not on on an actual call with somebody. Even uh, Facebook Live has a testing thing where you can test something and you're the only one that can see it. you got to poke around um, to find that option, of course, and every platform is a little different. But all of them have a way that you can... You can see what the video is going to look like, and then you can you can record a little sample of the audio and hear what that's going to sound like. Um, and one of the things with with Zoom calls, especially, uh, it's really beneficial to use something like earbuds or uh, with a Zoom call. I mean, that's probably the easiest thing if you're going to use a phone or a laptop or something like that. Using um, using the headphones that have a built-in microphone, then you have your very close microphone to your to your source. Uh, which is your mouth, of course, and then you have the direct uh, earbuds in because otherwise your microphone that's built into your camera or, or your, your phone or your laptop or your iPad or whatever is very close 
to the speakers of that. So the microphone's going to hear the speakers, and there's going to be some kind of echo created just by by the very nature of it. So it's going to hear you hearing itself, hearing you, and that you eliminate that if you can use headphones. Um, so in my rig, I'm talking into a microphone. I either have my in-ear uh, monitors or just a regular set of headphones, and my studio speakers are completely shut off while I'm doing those kind of things. And that makes things very clean. Computers are here to stay. So even those of us who are uh, not necessarily tied to um, Zoom meetings or videos or that kind of stuff every day, we need to up our game. And uh, I know that you are a mentor to bands and that you have a business doing that. Do you also have any kind of coaching for individuals in the kind of line that we've been talking about? I hadn't really thought about that. Um, a, a lot of times um, in a band coaching session, it is something that we're addressing these days. Uh, folks are, you know, when I do a band coaching, we work on whatever needs working on. And, and uh, the clients usually have a, a list of things they want to address. And then as as they play, they have things that I want to address Um and, you know, the, the session becomes a, a combination of all those things. But it is becoming a little bit more prevalent, even, um, you know, bands on a way that they should stand. Uh, I've worked with a couple family bands that are still using a single mic um, thing, which is, you know, it's okay because they all live together anyway. Um, and, you know, really working on that skill has been kind of a... a a common theme in my uh, sessions lately. But, yeah, definitely... Um, helping folks uh, figure that out. I, I'm not a tech service for by any stretch, but um, but as far as the way you present your band to the world, that's kind of what we're, what we're working on. And so how would someone get in touch with you for any of your services as a producer, engineer, label owner of Dark Shadows, as a, as a band coach, as a, any kind of teacher? Uh, how would people get in touch with you? Yeah, well, there's there's a couple ways. Um, the easiest thing to spell is darkshadowrecording.com, uh, and I own that lab label anyway, so you can get to me right from there. Um, I have my own website, but my name's a little little funny to spell, so it, I, I usually just send folks right to darkshadowrecording.com, and you can uh, you can find all of those services there, and you can find my email address and all that, and just uh, email me directly. And uh, since we mentioned Ordinary Soul, your latest release, where can they find that? Yeah, uh, well, same place or anywhere that you would stream or, or purchase music online. Uh, it's it's out in the world at this point, so um, so you can really find it anywhere that you'd normally get your music. Or head on by to Dark Shadow Recording and, and uh, pick up a... Pick up a real copy. <laughs> and and I, I imagine that for any DJs who are out there, we want them to give you some airplay. So are you also on Airplay Direct? I am on Airplay Direct. Yeah, of course. All the all the Dark Shadow recording projects are, are on Airplay Direct. And, and of course, if there's something that a DJ is looking for that they can't find, they're always welcome to email us right, right at the Dark Shadow recording website. And we're happy to send anything out as quickly as we can. Great. Well, I appreciate your taking the time for uh, someone who is woefully inadequate. Unfortunately, or fortunately, during my career on radio, I always had wonderful people like you, you know, as, to, as a tech or as a sound engineer, uh, to work with me through some of these things. And now that uh, I'm out here 
uh, with a co-producer, and he's far more tech-savvy than I am, uh, I find that I really do need to work on uh, all of this stuff, as I, I think some of my friends do. So uh, I appreciate your taking the time to talk to us about this. Absolutely. And honestly, there's so much info on YouTube. And, and I know that folks, sometimes it's easy to get sunk in, in a rabbit hole of, of watching, uh, you know, Johnson Mountain Boy shows from the 80s. But um, but if if you're really interested in a particular problem that you want to solve uh, with, with any of these things, whether it's miking somebody up or lighting scenarios, um, there's so much information on YouTube, and I always recommend folks check out three or four different um, presenters on a particular topic because, like anywhere else on the Internet, some of them are wrong um, with, with some stuff. But, you know, you can kind of get a consensus of, of what really does work. If you hear three or four people talking about the same approach to something, you might be on, on to something. And uh, really, there's so much information out there already and comparisons. And if you're looking to buy lights, you can, there's, there's all kinds of comparisons on that and microphones and cameras and all that stuff. But honestly, most of the issues that we're talking about can be solved for free with things you already have in your home just by reorienting yourself in, uh, near the windows uh, in, a, in a good way, by getting yourself close to the microphone, by getting the camera at eye height, um, and you know, just being paying attention to, to what's behind you in your shot. Um, that kind of stuff really goes a long way, and, and you can find a lot of info about that uh, on the old YouTube. And uh, I, I can't recommend that enough because it's free. You just, you know, poke along and find stuff and search some keywords and, and it'll, it'll uh, direct you where you need to go with all that. That was Katie Daly talking with IBMA Audio Engineer of the Year, Stephen Mojan. You can learn more about Stephen's activities and services by visiting his websites, darkshadowrecording.com and stephenmojan.com. And, by the way, that's spelled S-T-E-P-H-E-N-M-O-U-G-I-N, stephenmojan.com. Bluegrass Stories is hosted on SoundCloud.com and can be streamed on SoundCloud, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and katydaily.com. As always, thanks for listening to Bluegrass Stories. Mm-hmm.